The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit Mike'sArchery.com and get your gear now. Right here, right here, right here. Right here. You want him? Yeah. All right, welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. I think this is episode 163 or 164. I didn't look before we started, but I'm I'm lucky to know the day today. I know. I, I am too. Um I've as you can still tell by listening to me. I have been coughing for three weeks. I've been coughing for two. We were supposed to do this podcast last Wednesday, um, and I call had to call Logan, who is on the phone with us today. Where are you at today, Logan? Are you still in? Uh, are you in Phoenix still jumping, or are you in Salt Lake City? Where are you at? No, I'm uh, just north of San Antonio here, down in Texas. And so you're yeah, and I never know when you get where you guys are. Y'all are all over, all over the place. But um, yeah, I had to call Logan and tell him I couldn't do the podcast last Wednesday because. I literally sounded like this trying to talk to people. You sounded like you were two packs of cigarettes. I did. Like it was horrible. Like nine a.m. I've been trying to, I've been trying to shake this cough ever since I got back from Kansas, and I can't do it. But anyway, we're here. Um, we've got Logan Stark from Black Rifle on the phone. What's up, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Good to be here. I could never do your intro because you've got too many things to talk about. So give give everybody tell everybody who you are. Yeah, yeah. I gosh, I don't think I've got too many bullet points. I'm just young and getting going here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've been with Black Rifle Coffee for the last eight years, uh, almost since its inception, and have been over there on the media side of things, uh, basically helping to aid the process and getting the video and social content across the finish line. And before that, I was in the Marine Corps, and I did four years there as a scout sniper. And then I got into the content game while I was going to college, and I ended up developing a documentary about my Afghanistan deployment in the Marine Corps, and that kind of uh, got some national attention. And, you know, it, it did the amazing amount of connecting the dots uh, after that, and so it kind of stuck with the whole media thing, and it's paid off uh, ever since. Well, that's that's really cool that you took something that was – a giant part of your life and something you were passionate about and turned it into what's now a pretty awesome career. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because at the time it was just really cathartic to, to take a look back. And it was interesting because I kind of, you know, gave the finger to all my other classes and I just focused on this project and I was able to travel all over the country. I met up with some of the guys I was deployed with and sat them down and, and talked to them. So it was in addition to being something that uh, affected it, a lot of different people. It also kind of was just this, uh, you know, looking back on it now, it's kind of like a time capsule uh, for, for what it was like uh, around that time. And as I'm continuing to put more and more content together over the years, um, it's fun to come back and, and say like, okay, now what's, what's the next chapter? Um, 
coming down the line and and how else can we kind of like tell these really unique cool stories well that's a that's kind of a interesting thought and question i kind of have for you since you i mean you handle pretty much handle look at have your finger on just about every piece of content that black rifle puts out now correct yeah it was that way for for a very long time and um you know i have been trying to uh get the content machine to a point where you know i don't have to be involved in every little thing so uh and it's been a big part of uh you know content generation in addition is the team building over at black rifle and i'm actually proud to say that i don't have my fingers in everything that goes across the line anymore because we have been able to get uh so many other awesome veterans on the team that are capable of handling this stuff uh, without me a lot of times. Um, and it's, it's been really cool to see that evolve, but <clears throat> there's still, um, you know, whether it be podcasts, um, being in the content, uh, having the storyline development, like there's so many different ways to participate. Um, it's really cool to be at a point now where I can, uh, look at stuff that's, um, gonna really move the, move the, the ball across the line in a big way. And then, um, you know, kind of, just enjoy the process along the way. Well, it's been really cool. Well, it's been really fun for, for, for me selfishly, you know, because, you know, obviously we're in the, we're in the outdoor hunting space, uh, is most of what we do. And we've been very fortunate thanks to you and a couple others at black rifle to, to get to work with you guys on a couple of hunts and a couple of projects, which, you know, any, any chance we get to work with y'all, we're always excited to do it. But more than, more than anything, um, I have loved how, Companies like Black Rifle and Traeger and a, and a handful of others have dipped their toes, I guess, or, or kind of came into the hunting sp- space because before you guys got involved, you know, in my opinion, there wasn't a whole lot of content that I was eager to watch or companies I was eager to work with just because it was always the same good old boys club, same kind of old man hunting shows. and it's And it's finally over the last five to 10 years started to evolve into what we've been wanting to do and try and tell better, more unique stories with cooler people. That's always been our mantra here is to do cool stuff with cool people and get paid for it. That's literally our, right. what we try to do every day. And to have companies like black rifle come into the space, really shake up how people view outdoor content and how they view, um, hunters and fishermen and outdoorsmen. Um, it's a breath of fresh air for us. And I think that's what's so missing from some of these other companies of like, okay, why are we not growing? It's because you've been doing the same thing for a hundred years now and nobody, and you're not willing to change. Like, I mean, we've had this conversation how many times that like we just, we're just, we're putting the finishing touches on a film that we've been working on for almost two years. Obviously we're too close to it and we're not very happy with it. I say we're not very happy, but we're not completely happy with it because I think we're too close to it. Um, and I guess you could probably speak from your documentary thing is like you spend so much time with something and it's, and it's at the goal line. You're like, okay, you know, we, we, we essentially, we did this as a passion project because we do so much content work for companies and clients that we kind of have one arm tied behind our back because we have to meet the criteria of what they client wants. We've been wanting to do something for ourselves, and we've been wanting to do something that's different than what's in the hunting world. And now that we've gotten through it, it's like, okay, we're not 100% happy with it just because I don't know in your opinion are you ever 100% happy with something that you put that much time and thought into 
Oh, gosh. You know, not. No. No. Yeah. I, I was really hoping you said no. <laughs> I think I think the pursuit of perfection is a necessity when you're doing these when when you're a storyteller the pursuit of perfection should always be there um but you know so often especially today um nobody's nobody's just going out to make content to to do this thing where it's like oh we're just going to see where the story goes over time very rarely is this case content now has either an ASAP stamp on it or, you know, it's come in, you know, usually within a year. And so there's all in developing this stuff is just, it's a ton of decisions, yeah. right? It, it's just a ton of tiny little decisions when you're both getting ready to go. And then in the edit bay, there's all these little tiny decisions that you can, that you have to make. And they're all like going through a big giant maze. Yeah. And you know that if you stick your right hand on that maze like and you just follow that thing, you're you're gonna get out, right? It's it's gonna take a while, but you're gonna do it. Um and that's fine, but sometimes it's nice to like sit in, in there and explore a little bit. And and there's really unique ways to say is like, you know, is this for a client and the, do they want it this way or is this a piece of content where like I wanna flex uh, my creative skills here. A yeah. Bit. I want to put myself uh, within a constraint, within uh, a growth uh, initiative within this, where I want to try something new, or I want to, you know, try this different format in a way to do that exact thing. When you say, you know, everything changes so much, I think that's the biggest reason why people uh, have been successful over the last decade is because they're willing to evolve and yeah. willing to adapt with how audience is consuming media and having a really good balancing act there was like okay so you know most of you know tiktok has ruined everything in my opinion oh gosh uh, yes we're, we're all on this like vertical short like little cocaine hits of of digital media and everything's kind of changing that way so like okay well you know we got to participate this is the new bounds in which you know, creatively we have to fit inside, but like, that's, you know, that's not all the, that's not the best way to tell stories sometimes. Yeah. And, and so much of this, so you have to like be able to adapt to evolve to get these things to talk to each other so that, you know, you're still successful in the long run. But when I look back on so much of continued successes at, at Black Rifles, like it's just, it's evolution Yeah, and, and seeing and witnessing changes and then just trying to, to stay with them. That's, that was kind of my next question. What do you think has been the biggest key to success? I mean, obviously you guys put out an enormous amount of content, which always helps, but it's like, it's the, it's to me, you know, as a production company and, and as working with companies, it's like, is it a quantity over quality? Is it a quality over quantity or is it trying to get a good mix of both? Like, what do you think has been the, a big success story for what you guys have done? I, I think it's, this kind of having your finger on the pulse of, of what's going on, both in delivery method and then what people want to see. And <clears throat> within this evolution of everything, there's, <clears throat> there's this growth pattern that we're all kind of riding together. Right. And so, you know, it, it's just like movies going from uh, silent to 
now there's black and white and audio and then you know we're into color television right like if if we just did some old stuff some old silent film stuff on social now like people would just you know look at you really weird i think Mm -hmm. um because we've we're all on the same evolutionary track and figuring out and understanding where we are and then just being able to accurately forecast that a, a good next step up on the evolutionary chain um you know some specific examples i think of uh along our path we did uh christmas carols on steel Mm -hmm. at at black rifle and it was like this perfect amalgamation of a good idea around a holiday time frame with uh you know an interesting enough concept that could be integrated within you know the best social media platform at the time and be allowed to thrive and so it's like all these it's not like well what's the biggest key to your success well i don't know that there's one thing necessarily that like really builds the brand or builds uh, a storyteller it's all this little stuff stacked on top of each other where you just continue to push the limits of what you're capable of and what you're seeing out within the world and you know just have the discipline to keep doing it over time yeah. Yeah. For, for us, it's, it's been, you know, trying to, the, the hardest thing for us is unfortunately we don't get to work with people as forward looking as forward thinking as black rifle is sometimes. And it's like trying to get them to, you know, see the forest for the trees type thing. It's like, look, what, what we're doing and what you're asking us to do is been, you know, it's five, 10 years behind the eight ball, you know, it's like, okay, how can we, better have a better use of our time or, or your your time and or your money and our time it's like you know the, the the piece of content you're having us create or the the format in which we're doing it like this isn't what people want to see and it's been really hard for us to try and have those conversations is like okay listen you know especially in the hunting industry i mean i'm, I'm sure you've gotten enough taste of that because i know you've which i mean we've got to do a couple hunts with you guys and been in hunt, several hunting camps with you it's like you know, the, 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 the Billy Bob hunting show isn't what people care to watch anymore. And there's several, the, the companies that we get to work with still that are like, they're still stuck in the 1990s and the early 2000s of hunting shows. It's like, okay. Some people still watch cable TV, man. Oh, you know? Dude, that's it's crazy. It, it, it's crazy now. It really, yeah, it really is. So having those conversations has been really tough for us because we have um, thoughts and ideas and aspirations to do better, cooler, more edgy, you know, not everything we do needs to be PG. Like we did a a big project for a company that they, they essentially told us we could take the gloves off and we did. And then when we submitted it to them, they're like, we can't air that because we can't watch that with our kids. And we're like, well, that's not what you ask us to do. You know, this is, this was everything. Like we, we, we did, you know, it was about waterfowl guides and we wanted it to be, what it is to hunt with a waterfowl guide and what, you know, a love letter to waterfowl guides. And that's what we did. And they're like, it's awesome, but we can't air it. So, you know, it's like, okay, so we're, you know, we're three steps forward, two steps back. Um, and it's, and it's really frustrating for us because, you know, we have to go into a piece of content with our hands time pattern back. How do you, how would you, what would you be your advice, I guess, for someone out there that's, uh, that's trying to go out there and create content for either a company or for themselves and they're trying to do it the way that they want to do it, but also working within the parameters of what a company asks you to do. 
Yeah, I think there's a simple philosophy for that. And, you know, it's also something that we also have to participate. But, like, the give-give-take or the 66-33% kind of concept where for a long time uh, at Black Rifle, the way I thought about, like, all right, you've got to generate these posts and this messaging. Like, how, how are you? how are you thinking about it? How are you like putting it together? But like, you still got to make money, right? Like that's the whole point of all of this. Like you still got to make money. Um, and one of those was, uh, philosophies along the way was just, uh, give, give, take. And it was, you know, provide for, for the, for the people, like something that they'll just enjoy. Like that's a hundred percent. Like we're just working for you and we're just working for you. And then give a take where it's like, Hey, I want you to pay attention to this thing. I want you to participate and the messaging around a product purchase. And if you take that approach to a whole bunch of different stuff that you can do, but if you're, you know, an independent filmmaker, like, all right, I'll do two, like I'll, I'll give two jobs and I'll, I'll work within these. And then, but like this other one, like I'm going to do, or I'm going to pursue a project that's exactly what I want to do. That's just, in line with how I want to grow as a content creator. And over time, if you just keep doing those things, you'll, you'll, you'll get good enough that you'll be able to pursue the stuff that you really want to do on a more often basis, or those two things will eventually just merge Yeah, where it's, it's just, I'm doing what I love and I'm making money at it, which is, I think where everybody wants to be. Um, but in the context of, you know, dealing with uh, some of the old ways or this, um, you know, where you can kind of feel stuck in the grind of just doing what somebody else wants to do. Just remember that a certain amount goes back to you as, you know, the, the reason why you're, why you're doing this as a profession, which is hopefully to grow. Yeah. Well, that's kind of why we're doing this film. You know, we did it intentionally where there's, where there's no quote unquote sponsors or partners there's no product being sold. It's just a story and an idea um, that, you know, I had an idea of and that we've all collectively tried to put on screen that we've been working on. And, you know, I think it was kind of important, especially for me now that I've been doing this for so long. It's like, you know, you know, I started doing it because I enjoyed it. And I told stories the way that, you know, in my, you know, my feeble way of doing it at the beginning when I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I think it's important to try and take the time to do things on your own and challenge yourself because I mean, I wish, I mean, Ryer and Clay can, can speak to this too. Like when you go and you do TV shows and you do web series and you do client work, you know, if you don't templatize it to some degree, it'll never get done. And when you templatize things, you get in a creative rut. You know, I know I've been in a creative rut. I'm, I know Ryer, you've came in my office a couple of times and you talked to me about like, I want to, like this spy point thing, you're like, I want to try and do it without interviews because I want to do it without interviews because I feel like all we do is lean on interviews. You know, Clay, you came to yeah. me like, hey, I want to make sure we do, I want to go on other trips next year other than just Lee and Tiffany because I feel like my creativity is going down because I'm looking and doing the same thing every day. I mean, I think that's important to try and challenge yourself and get outside of those, you know, get outside of that templatized thing because, you know, when we're doing this day in and day out, you know, especially for me, when I don't get to shoot and edit as much as I used to, I've, I've, I really feel like I don't have any creativity left. Like, if I'm not in it every day, 
you know, it, I have good ideas, but for me to go out and execute them and, and be the guy with the camera in my hand, I just don't feel like I've got it like I used to. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, and it's uh, it's interesting because I'm kind of I'm kind of kind of coming back to a, a full circle, uh, or at least the first full circle within the career is where like it, my role within Black Rifle Media had had reached this precipice where it was like, you know, you're you kind of feel like a little bit of the uh, puppet master a little bit as far as like you have to have your fingers in so many different things and a little bit more producer and manager than you are content creator. But like, you know, that the system kind of builds itself sometimes, you know, as far as how you need to allocate your time in order to achieve growth and vision and all that stuff. Um, and so I'm kind of, you know, I've asked within my role of somebody to come back around and go back to doing everything myself and you know, be the guy that's, you know, doing all the video all of the interviews, all the story, and then all the editing as well. Um, and I just had this had this urge and this need to do it because, like you said, or we were saying earlier, uh, you never feel like it's quite to 100%. And it's a lot easier to get close to that if you're the one from the get-go that's like tinkering it with the way that you want to, you know, because that's when a lot of these creative uh, wantings don't happen is because there's a communication issue or like they don't know how to do it. And so it's, I'm really looking forward to getting back to this point where it's like, it's, it's gritty. It's kind of has this handheld feel to it. And it's, it's more leaning into, you know, not the, sh the specific shot, but, but it's just the story and like getting back into the nuts and, of what a story is and different ways to communicate that. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest issue I find doing the same thing all the time is like, I never have to solve any issues, like any new issues. They all are just the same, the same issue or creative problem arises every time that doesn't really become a problem anymore. Cause I've solved it seven and eight, 10, 12, 15 times or going on different trips with different people or doing a different type of something or with a different feel or different look creates new problems that have to be solved creatively. Yeah, different animal, different personality, yeah. different location. Yeah. You know, that type right. of thing. When you know when you when you spend so much time with someone, you kinda know what you're gonna get from them. You know the kind of the caliber of hunt you're gonna be on. You know about how long things are gonna take. You know how long recreates are gonna take, how long stocks are gonna take, how long you know you know how long this is gonna play out in the show. So yeah. you don't go above and beyond, you don't undershoot, you don't overshoot, yeah. that kind of thing. So it's you know, I've I've been there too, you know. I've I know how Ryers yelled at me a couple times when he looks at my edits, and he's like, "You've only got five clips for this whole scene. Like, what happens?" Like, well, I knew what I needed. Whereas yeah. if it had been somebody new, I would have tried to do something else. I would have I would have put myself in an uncomfortable position. Versus, well, I know this is what's going to get the job done, type thing. You know, I, I and I and I I know I've done that. I know I've been that guy, and I don't want to be that guy. Um, but at the same time, you know, I. I want to tell unique, different stories. And that's been another challenge for us is like getting companies or brands. I mean, cause these things cost money. I mean, you know how much, you know, production is on, you know, a really cool project, a documentary, a story. It's like, well, we, we want to get people on board to tell really cool stories, but at the same time they have to sell a product. So how do we, 
how do we meld those two things together? I wish we knew a guy. Yeah, <laughs> but it's but it's 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 been really tough to to this 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 film. Going back to what we've been working on, I guess it's been really hard for us because we just can't. I mean, how many Ryan, how many times have we been through this film? Me and you. I mean, fifteen, twenty times. Uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a solid archive of. Uh, changes and variations and histories and different approaches and layouts and i mean we've one version we've tr- six right yeah uh well but, you we, know yeah, but, we got we got a lot but here's the problem this one doesn't have a deadline <laughs> and it's been going on for two years and it's still not done because we didn't put a deadline on it well now we, well we couldn't put a deadline on it before because we were missing and now that we've now that we've definitely now that we've shot the things that we thought we needed to shoot I'm glad we did because mm-hmm. I think that we were correct in assuming that if we did not have those parts, that it was not going to tell the story and get the point across that we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now that we've now w- it, deadlines help. Yeah, certainly. deadlines help a lot. S- we well, that's what they say. They say that. Yeah, um, I'll uh, yeah I'll let, I'll send it to Logan. Let him get his thoughts. I was I was my next question is a Will you watch our film and tell us if you love it or hate it, and then b how long did it take you to do your documentary that kind of got you started? Like, what was the, what was the start to finish time on that from idea to conception to shooting to editing to delivery? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit more than uh, typical uh, within a college curriculum, but we basically had one semester. Oh wow! Um, from ideation to to delivery for that, so a little bit like. You know, if I had that long to work on a video project now, how awesome would that be? Oh, God, um, I know. So it was a little bit longer, but, you know, the to me, the, like, is it ready enough? That, that question always leans back to the story and whether or not this story is, is done. Because we, we all know, like, when the story is complete. We, we, like, in your heart, you know when the end is, right? And a lot of those times, if it's like, well, do we have the story? Like, is the story from tip to tail? Like, is that where we put our effort into? If that's done, well, then maybe it's just time to kill some babies and scrunch some timeline stuff together. But if the story's there, then you can start compressing what you need to do. And But if the story's not there, just let it go. Like, just get the story. Mm-hmm. Just get back to what you need to do to get to that point. Like that's the pursuit mm-hmm. is whatever is the end, and yeah. then you can go back and we'll look at all this stuff. But you know, for what it sounds like you guys are doing, <clears throat> film festivals are always a wonderful deadline, yeah. imaginary deadline to put on yourself. Yeah, well, we're we're working on it. Um, we're going to try and put it in Badlands this year. We're not sure. We're not even sure if we can go to Badlands. So I don't know whether or not we should submit it or not because I have a mule deer hunt and. Um, ATA is going to be a shell of its former self this year because nobody's going. So like, um, we just waited. We've been we've been threatening to put a film in Badlands ever since we started five years ago, and we just honestly we've been very blessed to have so much paying work that we haven't had time to do fun work, so um, or personal work, I guess. So it's been a you know it's it, we've had good reasons for not putting one in there, but now that we finally got one, you know almost to the finish line. It's like, I almost want to put it in there just for the sake of saying I was, I've been wanting to do it for so long. Right. But, um, but anyway, uh, 
What? Sorry. Just to kind of piggyback on the whether stories are done or not, in like when you're looking at stories, I'm sure that one, um, you get pitched a lot of stories, and two, you obviously have had your hands in in the telling of a lot of stories. What to you separates a good story from a not necessarily a bad one? I guess that's very subjective. A decent but, one. But what? What what are the separating factors that you go, oh, yeah, that's a story that needs to be told, and that's a good story when you look at it and when you deliver it? Yeah, the simplest answer for that, I think, is um, like emotion. Like, do you feel? Um, do you feel as a result of this thing? Uh, whether that's, you know, we, we, we break it down into three different buckets black rifle which is entertain inform and inspire and if it does one of those things uh you know that that first part is it's kind of like checking the box right as far as uh making sure tip to tail we're done or at least that's how we've organized it within ourselves um for me personally um it just like does this cause you to stop and feel something or potentially take a huge, like an action in the real world as a result of viewing this digital thing. That's always like the ultimate goal, whether that's laugh, cry, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and then you got to go back and like, this is where it comes in. And sometimes it's like writing a paper because you're like, okay, I've got what I want to, I want to do one of these things to the audience during this course of time and then it's going back through and and breaking it up into beginning middle and end right and and hopefully now like you know the the way movies are made are always so different but you know now it's just like going down like is there a hook in the first three to eight seconds that makes you want to stay in there you know and it's people have such short attention spans these days depending on the platform that they're watching on does it does it do all these things? Does it have a beginning and a middle and an end? Um, and that, that's like the way I can put it the most simply, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we talk. We, I mean, we talk about in our classes. If you break down a story in its most basic form, does it have a beginning, does it have a middle, does it have an end? You know, and, and I like the three boxes, which I think I've heard somebody talk about that before. It might have been you. But it's like, you know, if it checks one box, it's good. If it checks two boxes, it's really good. If it checks all three boxes, it's great. You know, that yeah. type thing. So. I, I like the I like the simple the simplicity the keep it simple stupid um, view on how, you know how to tell a story is good you know and for me when I look at when I hear a story or watch a movie you know a really good one they always which I mean we've talked about it with good television shows the the great ones have an X factor that you can't you can't quantify mm-hmm. usually it's like an incredible actor who went above and beyond for their job or the story is literally you can't make this up like this had to happen in real life or it to be that good. Like there's some sort of X factor in there that, you know, is, is bigger than we are, I guess, you know, and, and and that's what really sets a really good story or movie or film or documentary apart to me is like, you know, I, and I'm, I'm like, Logan, I want to feel something, you know, that's why I get so frustrated when people send us, you know, a, a reel to, you know, showcase what they do and they, they put a bunch of pretty shots to pretty music. Well, that's doesn't tell me anything. I mean, anybody can put pretty shots to pretty music. You know, you take enough time, everybody can go get pretty shots and find a cool song in a you know library. 
but you know, to, in order to show me that you know what you're doing, tell me a story. Uh, a good one, a bad one, a long one, a short one, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Just tell me that you understand the basic building blocks of a story. Um, and that's kind of my, my biggest pet peeve when, when I get, because I mean, which I'm, I'm sure Logan, you do too, but we get sent stuff all the time for people like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, give me some feedback on this. And it's like, it's garbage. Uh, and then it's like it's garbage. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> no homo. <laughs> yeah, I know. I uh, I've wanted to say that, but I try my best to not say that because um we're uh, supposed to be the guys trying to teach guys how to do a better job, and I don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, yeah, dude, you should find another career path. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think I think you're absolutely right. And you know, I was trying to find like what is Well, What is that like? You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. You guys are all right. We all like, we're all intrinsically a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you like, you watch certain movies, like, man, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, what? You, you feel something around it. And I always try and, like, what is that? What is that that separates it apart? I think it's the amount of passion that goes into a role, a story, or a part. And you can tell, you can tell when the people that made that thing, that they were like, they did it with everything that they had. Oh, 100%. They had all of their focus and they try and push their boundaries of what they're capable of. They they want this thing because they are pursuing that 100%. Like you can tell when that's going on within a project and that's, that's the X factor. Well, not only, not only, well, not only are they willing to pursue it at hundred percent, they're not willing to sacrifice things in order to appease. Like we've been, we've sent this film out to several people and everybody's like, well, I want more breadcrumbs at the beginning or I want the flashbacks of this or that. And we're like, no, that gives it away. And we just refuse to do it just because we had our mindset from the beginning. We were going to do it to where the whole first half of the film was confusing. Like, we don't want people to know the direction it's going. Um, and everybody's feedback is like, well, I want to, you know, I, I couldn't figure out what it was going until halfway through. I'm like, well, that was the point. That's what we wanted to happen. Um, so, you know, I, I think that not only the passion, but like I've watched a couple of uh, interviews um, with, uh, oh gosh, what's it, Quentin Tarantino mm. about like how he approaches and he rules with an iron fist. Like, he absolutely does not give. Like, he knows what I didn't he wants. I didn't know that about him, but I'm not surprised at all. No. Like, he absolutely is like, you're going to say it this way. You're going to say the lines that I wrote. You're not going to improvise. Like, to that point, to where you're abs- – and like, he has parts in there where he's written where, like, he's okay if they ad-lib something. But he's like, there's certain lines that, no, they are not going to ad-lib. They're going to say what I want them to say. They're going to say how I want to say it. It's like, you know, you can tell how passionate that guy is anytime he he gives an interview about, like, you know, he was talking about Django Unchained and like how he went into that role with Leonardo DiCaprio, how he went into that role with Jamie Foxx and how they approached it and how they talked about it. And, like, that's that's fascinating to me. I have no desire whatsoever to ever do a feature film like that. Like, I'd love to do a really cool documentary. We've got some ideas. But, like, one that we have to direct actors, like, just this little film we did was hard enough. So I don't know if that's something I ever want to do, but... I love to see passion in people too. And and like you said, Logan, like it, it comes through and you can absolutely tell when that's there. And then when, when no sacrifices were given. Yeah. Tarantino is such 
such a good example, right? Like you, so many of his films, that's not every single one of them. You're like, that was fantastic. Like that's got the X factor. Yeah. And, um, if you also go back and if you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff on Tarantino, uh, it does, it's a video of multiple different movies, but <clears throat> he's like, all right, we got the shot, but we're going to do one more. <laughs> he makes the whole crew chant behind him. Why? Because we love making movies. <laughs> and it's like, it's such a good, like, I've been on sets where, you know, it's so, let's just move along. Yeah. But when you create this atmosphere where everybody wants to be there, everybody wants to be funneled into this passion. Everybody wants to feel like they're collectively giving 100% of that. Yeah. And that's where you start to feel the stuff that's different. But creating the environment in which that can happen is just as important as oh, yeah. you know, saying you're going to pursue it. Well, 80% of a successful person is knowing how to work with people. You know, and then and then also, you know, not only that, but it's like people want to be a part of greatness. You know, for, for you know, for you'd have to talk someone into being a part of something great. Well, then they they didn't need to be there in the beginning. You know, but I I mean I've been there too. I've been like, all right, let's get this shot so we can go to the next one. For the love of God, I've been there many too many times. So um, to kind of change subjects, talk to me about bow hunting. How long have you how long have you been bow hunting? Did you just start here in the last couple of years, or is that something you've done? ever since you were in the Marines? Um, I'm, you know, where I'm comfortable saying, like, I've been doing it, it's been about four years Okay, now. that's what I thought. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in Michigan, and, you know, obviously I had a bunch of friends who were uh, whitetail hunters, um, but winters were hockey and falls were football, so, like, that consumed me kind of in my totality growing up and I didn't really have somebody to like show me the ropes on that side of things. So it was always just like a bridge too far for me. Um, although I did enjoy eating it back then as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got out of the military and we, we went to a total archery challenge and that was, that was the spark. I was like, Holy cow, this is like, golf but way better and <laughs> it does have this awesome community element to it um and plus it's you know being a, a sniper it it has all these it checks all these boxes on this stuff and yeah. and from from that point i i had also just kind of um gotten into hunting in a bigger way i, was, I did like an africa hunt uh couple years before that so i was like i was getting this introduction into bow hunting specifically and then after total archery challenge um i started nerding out on it quite a bit and have done a decent amount not like i'm not out as much as i would enjoy well i don't think anybody's out as much as they would like (laughs) yeah yeah that's fair that's fair but But how um, how awesome is elk hunting though if you had to if you had to pick one that's got to be the one right yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, the the pursuit of that animal is unlike anything else in the human existence, and I feel so uh, fortunate to experience it in the ways that I have thus far that um, I will always, 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 even if I only get one hunt a year, it will be, uh, elk will be yeah. checked in the box. Um, and 
every year that I go, I just keep, I keep getting these awesome, uh, you know, realities and, and it's so much more than just hunting in, a, in the essence of what it is. But I, <clears throat> I took, uh, I took a shot. I thought it was a good shot. Um, it was a shorter shot than I shot some other, uh, elk with. Um, and I just lost the blood trail and didn't find it. And those days when you're spent looking for a lost kill, um, I think you can learn more about the earth and mother nature and all the lessons it has to teach, uh, more so than sometimes just the pursuit of an animal. Yeah. Um, you know, looking and it was the first time I've like, I felt like I got uh, a true look uh, behind the curtain in the world of elk and it, it kind of like just reinvigorated this, you know, well, I, like each year I do it, I love it more and more. So I'm super fortunate that I found that in my life. Yeah. Last time I was in uh, Utah, I'm pretty sure it was, you were there. This has probably been two years ago, two, two falls ago. And I was talking to you outside the, the black rifle truck. Me and Dudley were ready to go out and you just, I could just tell on your face, you were just giddy to, to get to go. You hadn't killed one yet. And me and Dudley ended up killing one that day. And I think we left before you killed one. I think you did kill one before we left. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just fun to see. It's, it's fun to see new people get into it, you know, and, and, get to experience and I, I try and explain how awesome elk cutting is to guys around here and they're like well man I'd, I'd like to do it and I'm like man that's something you have to do before you die like there's nothing like it yeah it is uh, especially with a bow it's different oh yeah it's so much different um, it's to put it since we've done a good job at uh, keeping it simple stupid throughout this whole thing um, it is for me, it's the pursuit. It is to be on the pursuit of that thing um, is different than the pursuit of other things. Um, and you have to change how you act and do all these things. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a different experience when you're, you're hunting for something that, that big and that capable on a mountain. Like, we're, we're at such a disadvantage physically. What was um, it that Andy Stump called a majestic forest beast in that thing that we did? Yeah, he's like, I had no idea those majestic forest beasts even existed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there. I I just look at them like that's a dinosaur. Oh yeah, they're just we just don't call them that anymore. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Oh, hundred percent. Um, tell me, tell me about this triple seven project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, another thing um, you talk about getting into uncomfortable situations in life. Uh, something that I did uh, recently at the beginning of the year was uh, we all went, a bunch of us from Black Rifle, we all went through uh, accelerated free fall course together, which was basically, you know, we took a handful of us and like, we're going to get our attempt to get our A license for skydiving. And we did it as a group. And, uh, during that process, I got I got bit pretty pretty hard by the skydiving <laughs> bug. Um, That's what Clay's gonna I, get. Clay's gonna get bit by the bug jumping out of an airplane, right, Clay? That mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> Clay's not one. I've always wanted to go. Ryers always wanted to go. Clay's like absolutely not. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's where it's like 
you know, it, it, I get it. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I also, you <laughs> know, I never. His head. He's just sitting over here shaking his head. There, Absolutely there's nothing. Two thing, there's two things for certain in the world. Turkeys are meant to be shot in the face with a shotgun, and your feet are meant to stay on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's the thing. When I hear people say that shit, I'm like, you're wrong, and I'm going to prove you wrong every single time I do it. <laughs> and and that's, that's part of the draw, I think, for me, is that it does scare the shit out of so many people. Oh yeah. Um, How many times have you jumped since you since you started? How long ago? Uh, April, April. We got we got through um, hundreds. You've jumped a hundred times since April. Yeah. Oh wow! Holy crap! That's a bunch. <laughs> that's... Yeah. Well, um, you know, I was kind of just doing it. I was doing it to do it. I really enjoyed it. Um, so here's the thing. Like, I, I have to explain this because otherwise, it's just like, if I don't talk about what this is conceptually, it's just like, oh, just dudes, dudes in adrenaline. Jokes. <laughs> like, no, that's it's not what it is. It's not what this is at all um, for me personally because um, I, I know a lot of guys that are like this, but um, due to certain combat, people who have been in, uh, in certain types of life situations, they find it hard to like truly focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what this thing does is it puts you in a zone of awareness and you can talk about brain waves and, and that sort of stuff, but it's really good for your brain to be in this certain types of focus at certain periods of time. And <clears throat> you don't know that certain things are going to give you these things when you do that, you know, it could just be terrifying, but there's this, focus that happens in this activity um, that I haven't really been able to experience otherwise. Um, and then addition to that, this can compare to hunting, but like so much of hunting is preparation, right? I, <clears throat> there is like, you know, if, if the three act breakdown, I think the like actual going on the hunt, is like a third of success. There's all this other stuff that you've got to do in order to be successful. Um, skydiving is, is very much like that in like a life way <laughs> in the sense of um, it has like focused me to open up my circle awareness of what needs to be taken care of uh, and kind of shown a light into like sounds a little ho- hoodoo voodoo but like just be more aware of your world and of your existence and understand how your brain works in the overall awareness. Like when the first time you jump out of a plane, you can like, your brain just almost shuts down because it's so scared. And then you do it and you start to see your circle of awareness and what your brain is truly capable of comprehending, like open up. Um, And that just became this metaphor for life for me to where like you kind of, when you do certain things, your world opens up in awareness. And that's been, uh, in a way, very enlightening for me. And so, you know, I may be the only person on the planet that kind of sees it that way, but that's why I'm doing uh, ultimately what we're doing. On top of that, life just was like, hey, you like this thing? Like, here's this incredible opportunity just a couple of months after we had started it. Uh, in the form of the triple seven project, which the, the why behind it, the goal 
is to raise $7 million for this nonprofit uh, called Fools of Honor. And Fools of Honor just basically helps Gold Star families, um, wives, <clears throat> children who have lost a loved one in the line of duty, both overseas uh, and then also um, domestically if they're a firefighter or first responder, uh, which is awesome. Like you just see, you know, trying to raise $7 million um, by jumping out of planes, like it's, it gives me, if that's the microphone that we can have to make an impact for <clears throat> people who have lost a loved one in the line of duty, like, like I don't know, guys, like sometimes just life just lines up for you. You just can't say no to it. You just have to do it, you know, and that's exactly what it feels like has happened over the course of this year. Yeah, so 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 the triple seven project, so you guys are going to jump in all seven continents? Yep, seven jumps, seven continents, um, as fast as possible, essentially. The goal is seven days. Oh, man. Which logistic, yeah, logistically will be uh, hard just without even jumping on an airplane. I'm assuming, but, uh, I'm assuming someone's documenting this. That's going to be a... Uh, that's going to be helter skelter uh, to try and get that all done. Yeah, it should be very interesting. Uh, we are documenting it. The one of the guys that did Blair Witch Project is actually uh, <laughs> nice. leading the charge on the documentary. That's yeah. kind. Of, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, but yeah, we're doing we're doing a documentary for the whole thing. So that is like the totality of. The whole triple seven project. When did and when does that take off. place? When does the when does the first jump happen? Yeah, the timer starts. Uh, should start January one. We're starting in Antarctica. Good lord! Uh, perfect. Is, perfect time to yeah, go to Antarctica. Well, down there, it's it's. Well, I, mean, it's still winter, I was about to say, it's, does it's it ever not, not be winter in Antarctica? It's not winter it, in the sense that it is here. So maybe it's a, like a little warmer than usual in in Antarctica. There. Maybe. Yeah. The. Uh, it should be about negative 10. <laughs> nice and, hey, Montana was five degrees colder say, than that honestly, two weeks ago. That's honestly not yeah, as bad so, you know, as what I like, expected. It's, it's, it's cold. It is their summer. It's cold. Uh, but the the thing is that it's, uh, it's going to be negative 70 at altitude. So oh. if, if we go up to a full like five degrees uh, per thousand feet. I can't believe there's enough people in Antarctica to logistically help you do this. There's a lot of there's a actually a people in quite a few people down there. Yeah, there's like base camps with a uh, couple hundred of people down there. Um, it's like kind of an open, easy. Uh, so, it's something that people do on a fairly regular basis. I just I stopped listening when you said negative seventy. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's no, nothing else you need to say to that. <laughs> well, um what um kind of going back to I want to I, I, as we've been sitting here talking, I want to go back to talking about storytelling and content just because that's what we enjoy doing and obviously that's what you enjoy doing too. But um what's been your favorite project since you've been there at Black Rifle? Like what's been the one that kind of hits you the hardest? Um you're gonna make me pick one. Can I pick like three? Sure, pick three. How about I pick one from like each of the uh, our, our verticals? Okay. So to speak. Uh, for inspire, inform, and entertain. Um, we just did 
uh, a video called The Final Send, which uh, was kind of my baby. Um, but <clears throat> we we had been wanting to do a project with Hoonigan. Uh, who, are you guys familiar yeah. to do the crazy yeah. car yes. driving scene? Oh, yeah. Yada, yada. Very like aware. The best, um, the best car YouTube videos ever in the history of the world. Yeah, 100%. From that guy. Yep, yep, basically. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we wanted we wanted to do a project with these guys. And it was the end of 2020. I'm sure if you guys remember, the the world was you know, a real interesting, mostly negative place at mm. the end of 2020. I yep. Think. And uh, we were like, what kind of, how, like, how do we inspire? Like, how do we get people to, like, see the world and see life, even, you know, as apparently bad as it was at the time, which, you know, like, looking back, I'm like, geez, how do we, like, that should have been the case, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, what's going to, what's going to make people be excited to be alive again? Um, and, you know, typically we kind of, like, lean back on the, like, what, what has an impact against us at Black Rifle and like try and reverberate out into the world? And the fallback and foundation for for us, when you look at you know where we're currently at in America, it's, it's the World War II generation. Like it's hard for us to wrap our heads around uh, what that generation of people went through. Um, like you see, like how quickly have we forgotten about you know the Ukraine and Russia situation? Like it was it was in the news and interesting for like a month. Um, the fighting hasn't slowed down at all. Uh, if anything, it's just picked up. But we don't really pay attention to it at all. Now imagine that, but every country in the world is participating in that. Uh, it's something that's unignorable um, and quite frankly, like a good versus evil type scenario. And I can't imagine what it was like to be an American during that time um, and how bleak it could potentially look and how, how close a really, really bad situation was. Um, and looking back, like when, if you go through hell, you're a little bit more likely to be okay in any other situation. And that was always just like the message that we wanted to get across. Like how do we amplify like this greatest generation, like how awesome they are. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of evolved into like this idea. Um, there's this, you guys should uh, do the Wikipedia dance at least, but uh, Billy Waugh uh, is uh, an American that everybody should know by name. Uh, but <clears throat> he was kind of the inspiration for the character in this video, uh, who's basically like he tried to volunteer for World War II, um, but <clears throat> he was too young. And then he basically worked his way into, you know, the what was and became uh, the CIA and, and the clandestine American art, if you will. <clears throat> and he worked his whole life. He was in Afghanistan at 80. Um, the book The Jackal is written by him, if you've ever heard of that. <laughs> but this dude lived his whole entire life uh, in service. And I was like, what would that dude be doing? Because like, that guy's 99. What is he doing? Well, yeah. How is he living his life? And it was like he's he's going to the doctor, and then he's going on the most epic, like he's stealing this Jeep Wrangler, going on the most epic send that's ever been. Um, and that was exactly what <clears throat> the final send came to be was like this faux doctor's moment, like 
you know, trying to do a little bait and switch with the audience, thinking that like, oh, he's got bad news. So what is he going to do? You know, what, like if you heard it was your last day, what would you do? Um, and he ends up stealing this piece of this up Jeep Wrangler and takes old Travis Pastrana, the sheriff, uh, on a joyride throughout town. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's who I want driving me through town. Yeah, yeah, and we, you know, we were we were able to get some some World War II vets from uh, who do some work with the Best Defense Foundation, a nonprofit that basically just takes people on uh, uh, takes people back to the battlegrounds that they served on um, every single year, and so they came out, and so we actually got a chance to interact with, with some World War II vets ourselves as a part of the project. Is like it was just this example of um the, the byproduct of wanting to put something good out in the world and a whole lot of wear all to and work to try and get it done that's awesome so I, that's kind of like a super long-winded answer but that, that's <laughs> you know for sure you know no that one's I, I, I haven't seen it i'm gonna have to go watch it now you haven't seen it yet yeah go watch it it's 10 minutes of epic oh yeah well that's that's that, that's what i like well uh well, dude, I appreciate the uh, the time. We've been talking for almost an hour. I mean, I could talk to you about stories and what good content creators look like and what makes a you know story and this, that, and the other forever. But uh, I'm a, we're going to end it up here because we try and keep them around an hour. But, dude, thank you so much for your time. Um, obviously, appreciate your service. And uh, the Folds of Honor thing's really, really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing the finished product on that as well. Yeah, it was good catching up. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, if you ever need anything, holler at us. Um, you got anything? No? Ryan? Clay? Good? I'm good. All good. All right, brother. Well, uh, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you all. All right. Peace.